And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. There's definitely something very weird going on here. Detective Roger Mortis has a problem. He's dead. But Detective Bigelow is bringing him back alive. We have something on the monitor, Captain. That's okay. Don't get up. Told you not to get up. Now... He's got 12 hours to solve the toughest murder case of his career. His own. What is this? Very ugly. Get down! Remember the good old days when guns killed people? That's it. From now on, I'm a vegetarian. How do you fight this thing? Maybe we could drown it in A1 sauce. Treat Williams. Sit down. And Joe Piscopo are dead heat. You shoot them, they don't die. You can't keep a good cop dead. Material Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 170, returning guest, third time's a charm, Steve Johnson. Steve motherfucking Johnson. How's our Kickstarter going for uh, something called Rubberhead 2, which is a sequel to his Rubberhead book? Steve, welcome. Thank you very much. How are you guys? You're good. Awesome. Awesome. I was going to say earlier, I was like, whose bright idea was this to do this at 10 o'clock in the morning? Uh. I'm unemployed. I know. It's a nightmare. I was up until 5 in the morning last night, and I kept looking at the clock going, oh, my God, I've got another podcast to do. <laughs> so, this, well, and this the week, reason I'm running late is I had to go pick up a pack of cigarettes because I'm, I'm smoking like Hunter Thompson at this point. There you go. Uh, yeah, well, You're yeah. going to smoke. Smoke like Thompson. That's right. <laughs> you've, done, you've been doing a lot of podcasts and stuff this week. Uh, uh I wanted to say what a fantastic bang-up job that uh, the Winston School did with your uh, launch. Um, Wasn't that amazing? That was so fun. Dude, that was it was great. It was an hour long, and by the end of the hour, you were more than $10,000 into your Kickstarter for Volume yep. 2 of Rubberhead. Holy shit. Where are we at right now? The yeah, you can't ask for you cannot ask for a better launch than that. Unless you've seen what I posted last night. Did you see the behind the scenes thing I posted? I did not. No, I was working last night dealing with drunk assholes well, and meth heads. Well, right before we went live, I sat down in my chair and it was a madhouse. None of us knew how to give the prizes away or how we're going to set the thing up. Or we're just like trying to in, in, interact with. New Mexico and the guy that's running my Kickstarter and we're like I was at least sweating so I sit down in the chair we're two seconds from going live and the chair the Ikea chair 
cracked out from under me. Literally, I almost <laughs> cracked my head open on a brick wall. And uh, we caught it in the pre-recording, and I just posted it. It's very funny. And it made me look like I was an old, senile, drunk man. But it was actually, it was the chair's fault. It actually was. It had nothing to do with me. I believe you. But it, it did like, crack out for money. It's Ikea. That was it? the way that Winston thing started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, I saw it myself, and I, and I thought, uh, what a great use of Facebook Live. Yeah, absolutely. I just saw last night John Amplis, future guest John Amplis. And past uh, guest. And past guest uh, was on, and he did a dramatic reading of something. Oh, that's cool. Uh, 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 on Facebook Live. On Facebook Live. <laughs> and, and this kind of a launch thing is the same thing. What a great idea and, a, and an innovative use of social media. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Steve, where are, we, where are we at right now? On The, the last I looked, it was like 24,000 or something. But that was like uh, a 24 hours Oh, God, hours you know ago. what? I haven't looked yet. I'm, I'm glad you reminded me. Let's take a look right now. Dun, 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 dun. It's live. Can we get time, we're going to find out. <laughs> By the well, time you know what? Weekends, weekends are not great days for uh, sure. Kickstarter. But we have, we have to be over 25,000. So give me a second. I'll check. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, when, we did, when we did our Kickstarter, it was always... It's a full-time job, man. It is a full-time job. Oh, it absolutely job. is. People don't... Yeah, we're up to $25,527. Dude, the money is pouring in like rain at this what, point. What is your goal? It's 60000 but that's just what's on Kickstarter. Right. I will be devastated if we make our goal of 6000 I'll fucking slip my wrist. I want to bust 100000 Right. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Well, and that's... Are there... Are you setting um, expansion points as, as you... As, uh, you know, further goals... Uh, I forgot what they call those. I do too. Yeah, <laughs> they call them. I think they call them stretch goals. Stretch goals. There, there you go. Don't yeah, do no, drugs, kids. Very exciting stretch goals. I don't even know what stretch goal means, but the guy that's running my oh. Kickstarter does. But we got one. Yeah, we we have some of those. <laughs> how is so? How is this Rubberhead Two different than Rubberhead? Is it just is it part two, the continuation of the story, or or have you done something new with this one? Because I well, love the first I'm, it's book. Basically, it's a hologram. What I'm trying to do is uh, create something very new and very exciting for the reader each time that tops the last one. It's like a game that I'm trying to win, and it's very fun for me to play. So, yeah, um, Volume 2 is an interactive holographic experience. Nice. What? I'm kidding, you I know, I know. I'm going, no, no way. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm like, I'm trying to help you, Steve. It's all VR. It's all VR. Uh, well, correct me no, if I'm no, no. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you you, you've written all five al uh, volumes already. Is that correct? As far as the text goes? Yes, they are all indeed written. Yes, all hmm. one thousand okay. pages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is just the next chapter. Okay, good. Uh, in, in the story, which I'm really excited about because there, it, it, as you alluded to in in your Kickstarter video, uh, it's you know. It's great that we get the stories about Predator and the, and the things that you know that we know about, but the the ones that got away section is the one that you really you really want to hear because you mentioned something in that that made my mouth uh, my jaw drop and I hadn't I didn't realize this Clive Barker's Mummy. Can you speak yeah. to that for a second without without you know uh, giving away the book. Yeah, well, if you take a look at that photograph that's in the Kickstarter video, it really says Clive Barker, doesn't it? Oh, Who dude. wouldn't want to see a Clive Barker rendition of The Fucking Mummy? 
And as a matter of fact, Clive Barker was writing it with Mick Garris at the time. Do you know who Mick Garris oh, is? Oh, sure. Dude, nicest yeah, he, guy he in the world. world. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a very prolific writer and director, I think. He wrote Batteries Not Included, that Steven Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. He directed Critters 2, Psycho 3, The, the Stand, The Shining, yeah. yeah. The Langoliers. I, I've worked with him on so many, uh, so many projects. What's the Nightwalker thing? The uh, Alice Krieg. Remember the Alice Wait, Krieg? Tommy thing? Knockers. Tommy yeah, Knockers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm in. I, I'm just as in as I was with uh, Guillermo del Toro's Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, dude, Shape either of one of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Barker doing doing um, the Mummy. The Mummy, yeah. yeah. Holy in, shit! In, in in many ways, isn't isn't that kind of the same vibe you get from all the Hellraiser stuff, right? That austere, sort of dark, sort of mythical. Well, yeah, like, you know what I what I think of whenever I hear that is like uh, the movie that you did do for him, Lord of Illusions. Sure. Right. Yeah, another underrated film. Uh, Clive is such a good filmmaker, and he's a really good friend. And um, we we worked on so many projects. We wrote a couple of projects together. I mean, I actually had the honor of writing with Clive Barker. How did that happen to me, Steve Johnson, a little pimple-faced kid <laughs> that was always chosen last for the softball team in Dickinson, Texas, in the middle of nowhere? How did I end up writing with Clive Barker? It's How crazy. did you wind up writing with Clive Barker, Steve? Well, I, you know, it, it, here's the way it works. Uh, same way I got in, involved with Paul Thomas Anderson, another one of my favorite filmmakers. We all know Paul Thomas Anderson. I worked with him on Magnolia. <clears throat> He's done some amazing films. I think he won an Oscar for There Will Be Blood for Best Screenplay or something like that. Mm. Have we seen that one, you guys? You know that oh, film? Sure. Did, it didn't, didn't it win Best Picture that yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's one of my favorite filmmakers that I've ever worked with. But to get back to your question, you know, when I met Clive and when I met Paul, one thing was in common with both of those first meetings. I was a huge, huge fan of both of them, and I was shaking and when I walked into their offices the first time I met them both. I basically stripped naked, kneeled in front of them, and bowed down and said, you are a genius and I'm not worthy. <laughs> and and they both hired me on the spot and said, yeah. put your pants back on, let's get to work. Well, who wouldn't, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I did I've interviewed Clive a couple times, and we did one for the art book that we ended up um, going to his his art studio in Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah, and it was amazing. It yeah. was just I've never seen it was literally piles of art yeah. uh, along right. the wall around the room. Yeah, and you're leafing through ten, fifteen canvases at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone is. Well, like, he started in in his later career. He started writing through images. He started painting and allowing that godlike force that comes through our heads <clears throat> and then mixes up in our brain and all of our juices and then down through the wires of our nerves and into our hand and then moves it into the the keyboard or the the pen and paper if that's what you're working with. And uh, creates, and he started creating stories through painting, and I was very impressed by that. And that's that's how he did a lot of his work. But that's how he's still doing a lot of his work. He right. paints the story first. He sees it in his mind first, just like a you know a, a, a composer will will hear the song, and then well, the story will come based on that. You know what I mean, and that's a, that's a wonderful way to learn. I've been so blessed working with so many great artists. Again, like Paul Thomas Anderson does the same thing. If you look at Magnolia. What he did with Magnolia is that movie, which I think is one of the 
if not the greatest, my most proudest achievement. Even It has nothing to do with the reigning frog sequence. That was, of course, my job. But the movie on its own is so brilliant. <clears throat> and it didn't come from Paul waking up in the middle of the night and getting inspired and, and, and starting to write words. It came from him hearing music. Mm. And the story came from the music. Um, and in, in this case, with Magnolia, it was the, his frequent collaborator. Um, what's her name? Amy who? Amy Mann. Who Amy Mann, yeah. Amy Mann, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She was yeah, uh, so, uh, she she was a uh, lead singer for uh Till Tuesday. Till Tuesday, yeah. Back yeah. in the day. Yeah. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she was very good friends with the, the girl that Paul was dating at the time I knew Paul, Fiona Apple, who's an incredible songstress. Who is uh, this Apple twer- lady of which you speak? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be kidding. You know, no, no, I'm yeah, joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do we get off on this tangent of music? I thought we were talking about art. Well, well I, think, I think that's important. I think from a lot of people that we speak with, inspiration is found in the oddest places, right? And a lot of times it is music. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I, think, that, I think that writers, obviously it's different from writer to writer, but I think a lot of writers, um, or a lot of the writers that I know, um, think cinematically, so they you know they mm-hmm. see a movie or they see a series of images, and if it, if they are seeing a movie in their head of the story that they're wanting to tell, that means also music, and uh, you know Tarantino famously you know picks a series of songs and then has a scene that he you know that he wants with this particular piece of music, and then boom and you right just, exactly you just exactly. grow from there yeah. yeah. I mean, inspiration comes from all places, but I find it first and foremost in in music. And I did a, a short film. I did a, a, a music video that was like Howard Hughes trying to create a new airplane. I, and I spent so much money, and I was never satisfied with it. And I pissed in milk bottles for two months. While I, I, I didn't cut my fingernails. Trying to make this the greatest piece of art. It was a Moby piece called Everloving. Have you guys seen that? Dude, I think yeah. it's. I, I I don't know why you're not satisfied with it. It is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. I oh, so you saw Everloving. I I, I repost that video all the time, Steve, because I and and then and the corresponding behind the scenes stuff that that the Winston School did about it, um, because I want people to see what I think you were wanting people to see is that. You, you can make amazing, beautiful, beautiful pieces of art completely practically, uh, aside from compositing, right. which is, you know, which is I, I don't consider compositing even CG work. It's just the computer's taken the place of the optical printer. But beyond exactly. that, yeah, beyond that, it, it, it's amazing. I did want to ask you about that. It, it about. Uh, you did a lot of stuff that kind of made it harder on yourself, filming um, backwards and upside down and stuff like that to to get a different. Uh, how about underwater? Under well, underwater makes sense because you you got that natural movement of the foam latex. But right. do you think it was? Uh, let me back up. Why are you not satisfied with it? Well, I'm kind of never satisfied with anything, and I think that is the you know the, both the blessing and the curse. The curse of all artists, you know, because you always want to be better, and you never. I mean, it's why I kind of closed my company in 2006 and, and went to live in the jungle with monkeys and hookers. You know, it, I felt like, I guess, from the outside, people would say, "Hey, look at that guy. He's very successful. He's got millions of dollars. He owns a penthouse in Vancouver. He's got a three million dollar home in Los Feliz. He's built his own studio. It's like the Andy Warhol factory days, and he's doing one huge show after another." 
I would wake up every day and go, I'm a failure. In my in my multi million dollar home. Do you, I, I, I felt do you, what? Do you, well do you think do you think that you do you think that you felt that way because uh, of the work that you were producing, or do you think you felt that way because of other reasons? Uh, we'll go with B, other reasons. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, 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 was, it wasn't because of the work. I mean, the work looks really the work looks really good. I'm quite certain I had a great team, but I didn't realize what I had when I had it. And I would wake up every morning and go, "I am born of this planet in this flesh machine to do." more than making monsters for someone else's movie. I just wanted to do more because, you know, every time you make a monster for somebody else, they say, make the nose bigger and you make it bigger and then they say, make it smaller. And then they come back and they say, well, now it's too small, you idiot. And it's it's just really started working on my nerves. And I I felt like, okay, I I, I can't do this anymore. This isn't even art anymore. It's, It's commercial art. And there's, you know, a lot to be said for commercial art. Commercial art is still art, but you're working with a chain of people that have one person above a neck saying, make the nose bigger, make it smaller, take the ears on, put them off. And I couldn't take it anymore. And, and it, I felt like, listen, if, if I'm, if, if I'm born as a creator, I think we all are. We, we all are creators. I mean, we create our lives. We create our art. I mean, if you're not creating something, whether it's a child or a story or a sculpture or even your own life, I think you're doing something wrong. And sure. I got very frustrated thinking, I need to create more. And the only way I could force myself into a scenario where I could create more, I'd be forced to create more, would be to throw everything away, put a lit cigarette on my desk, flee the country to Costa Rica, fall in love with a hooker, live with monkeys, and start writing because I had no choice. And that's the whole point, kind of, of what I did. I did it to grow. I did it to expand. I did it to learn. And here we are. Now I'm a writer. Awesome. Now, before we get too far astray, coming back to writing... Because we are going to go astray. We're going to go off in the weeds, Steve. Um, I, 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 We're already astray. Pertaining, pertaining to the book, um, it's Rubberhead, Sex, Drugs, and Special Effects, Volume 2. Um, <clears throat> and uh, at, you're in the middle of a Kickstarter to get it funded, which I have no doubt it's going to get funded. Um, because everybody who saw the first volume flipped their shit over it. Um, it's, it's beautiful enough to be a big coffee book. It is, um, the stories are amazing, but what really, really, really sold it for me was your writing. Your writing is what makes it the badass book that it is. And I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not 100% sure if people, if people who haven't read it, that they may not get that. Um, somebody. Yeah, no, let's please, let's please talk about that because the pictures are just put there for the kids to jerk off over. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me, it's all about the writing. So by, Please, I, I'm so happy that you appreciate it and got it because I was so nervous uh, a year and a half ago before that first Kickstarter launched because I didn't know how Kickstarter worked and I was really nervous uh, about how people would react to my story and my style of writing. So uh, evidently, you liked it and you oh, got it. So thank you abso- so much. That's why. I, that's why I did it. Absolutely. Why I'm still doing it. Somebody, somebody during the launch mentioned Kurt Vonnegut, and uh, uh, yeah. And and that's exactly right. That that hits the nail on the head. It is that type of of writing styles. And, and uh, I'm going to draw a contrast between you and one of our previous guests, Shannon Shea. Shannon, uh, uh, one of the nicest men in the world, I love Shannon to death. And he, I wrote, love Shannon as well. Yeah, he's oh, dude, Shannon's he's he's the best. Um, 
he wrote a book that came out a little bit before yours called um, uh, I'm Rubber, You're I'm Glue. Rubber, Your Glue. Yeah, and yeah. it's great. It's a fantastic book. Uh, Shannon was very clear. He's like, look, I'm not trying to write a novel. I'm just, I'm, you know, just telling you the stories that happen. He's not, he's not trying to do something other than that. And I hope and pray to God that he, uh, th- he follows up with his volume too, because he's supposed to. Um, and and it's great. Your book is different. It 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 takes a look at this rock star period in the '80s when the effects guy was a rock star and but it doesn't just tell the stories it's not just saying like it's not like uh uh motley cruz was their book called the dirt. dirt yeah yeah, yeah the dirt. it's not just that right it, right right it is it's a narrative piece as well and it's it's poetic and it's it the writing is fantastic i just i, I got it well, i can't stress you, that thank enough. you thank you thank you so much because you know first and foremost again that's what that's why i would wake up in my multi-million dollar home and decide which $2,000 bracelet and which $1,000 pair of, you know, refurbished <laughs> glasses I was going to wear that morning. How is that costume myself to go out and fight the fight of being that Hollywood brat star child? And, uh, I just, I just gave it up. I'm like, this is, this is, I've done it. I've done that. Now let me move on and see what I can do next. And what I decided to do was right because, you know, I, I kind of, I think what everybody, what happens to everyone as we age, is we um we t- and how old are you guys? First of all, old, old, yeah, old. Uh, we're older than you. Okay. Are you? Old? Well, I'm old too. I'm I, almost. I, 60, I, we're we're but, all I, we're all in the same age break bracket. Let's put it that way. Okay. Well, what happens, you know, as a creator and as an artist, is you start at some point you want to give back because you know how much can you do for yourself? You know how many transams can you buy in the eighties? How much? cane can you snort? How many hookers can you fuck in front of a mirror and watch your eyes change color? You start as you age, you, you mellow and you start to think, well, you know, I've done all that and what else, what's next? And uh, I think all writers, <clears throat> what, what writers do is it's the oldest art form in the world. It's cavemen sitting around a fire telling about the beast they killed that day. You know, it's it's, it's storytelling to teach. That That's what, that's what writing is and um, this is why I take it so seriously awesome this time around you're doing something uh, uh, a little different and very cool um, Chet Czar Chet Czar uh, uh, is an amazing artist uh, and a guy who um, I see a little bit of a parallel in that with you in that he was a guy that was working in the film industry and he decided like look I want to be a fine artist and that's what he very does. similar path we're walking. Very he, similar path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell me about Chet's involvement with your with the with the new book. Well, you know, Chet and I have always wanted to work together in the makeup effects world, and it never happened for whatever reason. And uh, again, when you talk about the genesis of, genesis of a book or a song or an idea or any piece of art, I had a real hard time getting volume one out. We all know that story. And then I, I, I almost didn't want to continue with the series, even though they were already pre-written. But then, in my mind, I saw the cover of Rubberhead 2, and it uh. was a Chet Zar painting. It was a Chet Zar painting. And I thought, wow. For a couple of days, I kept seeing it in my head, and I thought, wow, if I could, if I could actually get Chet to really do the painting, that will get me excited, and we'll kickstart this whole thing. And uh, so I called him up, and I said, hey, Chet, 
do you want to paint the cover Robert Head Volume Two? <laughs> and he's like, dude, I, I'm you know I'm a most struggling artist just like you are. I can't work for free. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not going to work for free. I'll tell you what we'll do. You um, do the painting, do the cover, and then uh, we'll offer it as a reward here, and I'll just give you all that money. And so he goes, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> awesome. And and so we started working, and that that's exactly how like. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was inspired to do Magnolia from Amy's Music. I was inspired to do Volume 2 by the concept of Chet painting the cover. That's really how it started. I'm really excited to see the painting. It, well, it, oh, my God. It's so amazing. It tells a story. Like it, 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 It's like, you know, one of the, the strange things about writing a book is that no one, nobody reads anymore. And I'm glad we're talking about writing instead of... Um, makeup effects. <laughs> we so. we did that before. You know, we we yeah we talk and that's what your book's about. So it's like we don't need to cover that. Let's let's talk about what you're into. Right. Well, nobody reads anymore, and so it's really hard to take someone's attention for you know eight, ten, twelve hours to read a book. But if you ask them for two minutes of their time to hear a song, or a moment of their time to lose their self in your painting, then you've got them hooked. And so that again is, is kind of how I, I started to to think. Well, if 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 I'm going to get excited about this, I better get the readers excited about it. And that means Chet has to paint the fucking cover. And that's how that all started. Well, isn't that the plight of the writer, though? You, <clears throat> I've always said that. And your phone goes on. Uh, I've always said that with artists, you're a songwriter, you're a painter, you're you're an illustrator. You can do the work and show it to someone, and you get an immediate reaction. I like I just my I just finished my next book at ninety four thousand words. So right. I hand that to 94, someone. Ninety four thousand words is nothing, Langley. That's that's nothing. That's Tom. That's Tom. That's Tom. Not Langley. Well, that's Tom. The the uh, oh, my my point being that you hand that to someone and maybe in a month. They get back to you and give you a little thumbs up and go, yeah. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, they won't read it at all. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, or they'll yeah. they'll leap through it and read it and yeah, I I, I read parts. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like mother, fuck. You're like, look, man, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Then that then that kills me. But what I've learned over the past you know year and a half or so since Robert Head has come out that you know the customer is always right, and so this is one of the reasons we put all the photographs in it and kind of made it a coffee table book because. Some people like you will read it and understand it, but a lot of people won't read it. They'll look at the pictures or they'll skim through it. And, you know, at first, that, that it's like a steak in your heart. It's like, you know, garlic shoved in your mouth and your head severed and set on fire as a vampire because you're like, I worked so hard on this, and you didn't read it. But you got to understand, people have their own things going on in their own lives. So sure. you just you shotgun it out there. Some people will read it. Some people won't. And, yes, what? it's easier to ask them for two minutes to listen to a song. But... You know, this is the life of of um, assholes like me that try to make a living in the arts. Well, you know, <laughs> to quote, to quote, to quote the old uh, cartoon Super Chicken, you knew the job was dangerous when you took it, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, I didn't, actually. Really? I did not realize it. No, I didn't realize it was this dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's... I've, I have literally sat here and done pieces weeping and pouring my heart into something yeah. and someone later goes yeah that was nice that was nice that was nice and you're yeah. like ah, mother, mother that's always my first question when someone reads volume one I'm like did you cry that's my first question <laughs> and my second question my second question is did you laugh sure. and uh, 
a lot of times they go, I just skim through it. What do you mean? Does it count if I jerked <laughs> off? What <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say is art is. I cried a river writing this book. You yeah, absolutely. Just, you would fucking read chapter one. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. It kills me. My, th- th- my last two books, my, my wife hasn't read. And that, that's, you just kind of go, I get it. Yeah, yeah, she lives with it. She will. Yeah, she will no, eventually. No, she will. Yeah. <laughs> she will. Uh, but that's but that's one of the things. That's not. That's it. Depends on why you come to the table, right? If you're coming for accolades, and if you're coming for, you know, uh, to to uh, for even for a livelihood, right? You should probably put that aside for a second because you're really. You're there for your heart, and you're there to to yeah. be well, the, that's or the what, creative. I mean, and that's that what are. that's what things like like Facebook is for. Right? Yeah. It's like you put something up, and then these people who don't really know you yeah, are yeah, like, yeah. you know, they suck your dick, and they're like, oh my God, it was, it, yeah, yay, Tom, you yeah. know, or yay, Langley. It's like, I love that picture you just drew. And, and it, it satisfies that. And yeah. then, and that. But then there's the real, you know, sure. the real business of well, the Well, the, the point, the point, whomever who just said this, I'm getting confused about who's saying what. Sorry. We're going, we're going, it's a madhouse over here. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm gonna sit on a chair and break it. Um, no, but you can't. You can't do this stuff for the accolades. No. You can't do it for the money because you know when I first got into the effects industry, I never thought I would make a flat dime doing it. I just could not not do it. I, I lived it. I breathed it. I slept it. I dreamed it. I sweated it. I bled it. I had to make monsters, and I didn't care if I made money. And guess what happened as a result of that? I mean. Forty million dollars. Right. I literally made forty million dollars in my career because I didn't care. It wasn't about me trying to make money. It was about me trying to do the best fucking job I could. Now, the problem with that is when I when I wrote my first book in Costa Rica, uh, a book called Unhinged, which thank God will never be published, but there's some genius moments there. Um, I thought I was going to sell it. I was going to get on Oprah's list and get a bidding war, and Stephen King would give me a quote, and I'd sell fifty million copies, and I'd be even richer and more famous than I ever got in the effects industry. Well, that didn't happen, and it, it devastated me, because I'm like, okay, I threw away, threw, away, threw away my life, threw away my business, I want to teach through my words, I want to explore this brand new, amazing, Mozart-like, Michelangelo type of art that I've never even come close to touching or brushing with my fingertips, but I kind of have to pay the bills, and I kind of have to eat, and that didn't work, and the turning point came after I came back from Costa Rica after living in the jungle with monkeys and hookers for a year and loads of cocaine. I, I And I, I found that I couldn't sell my first book. I was just, I mean, I had painted myself into a corner. And what I did to pull myself out of that, I had two choices. I could have taken a shotgun and blown my head off, which I came very close to doing. Or I could do what all great artists do. And, and what that is is I picked up my pen and I started writing again slowly and surely because that was my directive I wanted to write so I thought okay I can't rely on the money I can't do this for the money I have to do it because this is what I want to do and what that did is it unlocked the doors of freedom to me as a writer and and that's why I think at this point I really enjoy writing and I think I've gotten much better at it because I don't even care anymore I have no I, I, like I said I don't care if people read it some people will, some people won't, but it's for me first. Yeah. And then if you want to jump on that train, let's go. Well, that's the, I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? It's like if, if, you're, tr- if, you're, if you're trying to uh, 
I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, manufacture something artificially, usually it's not going to be there. But when you do something right. from your heart, not for those reasons, then that's when people start to pay attention. And because, because that's it's exactly hard. right. And it's a very strange dichotomy, you know? Yeah. It's like, is it black or is it white? I mean, how do you find that place? It's like Clive Barker. I mean, again, I have to go back to Clive. You know, you guys mentioned how prolific he is as a writer. And one day I was over at his house and there were paintings and canvases everywhere. You couldn't even walk. I was at one of his, you know, he had three, he had a compound. He had three yeah. homes. One was his office, yeah. one's where he lived at, and one's where he painted at. And, he just jumped up in the middle of this meeting. I think we were at Disney talking about it, something we were co-writing. And he just jumped up and goes, sorry, guys, I got to go. And he bolted down the basement stairs, which was where his, uh, his his painting studio was. And then we're all looking at each other going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then he, 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 he runs back up the stairs, looks out the basement door, and he goes, all of this stuff, pointing to his canvases. And he goes, that's not me. I can't take credit for it. And that was one of the most amazing turning points in my life as an artist because what art truly is, is getting out of the way. It's not, you can't, and this speaks to what we were saying about trying to make money at it or trying to use it as a business. Um, Clive basically uh, has always said that he is an instrument of God or whatever we want to call that, the universe. It's not him picking up a paintbrush and painting it, he's kind of figure out a way that he can slide out of the way and let this instrument of something much bigger than himself, something inexplicable that some people call God, some people call the universe, letting them use his hands to create with. And uh, he goes, "This all this stuff, it's not me. I can't say this mine. And he I, disappeared down the, the basement stairs again. And that has never left me. And it's true. That's, the, that's how I finally, um, I think, became a decent writer. It's learning to slide out of the way and let something well, that's much I, bigger than you create three. I, I, I think that there's I think there's some validity to that in that as far as like getting out of your own way. Uh, but I, I from an outsider's point of view, I I I, I think that uh, you practice. It's just like any other skill and you get better at it the more that you practice. And so so for example, your first book, Unhinged, while you recognize that there's good stuff in there, do you see now why it didn't get published as opposed to uh, going back to the page and writing again? Did you learn from that first experience, I guess is what I'm saying? or Oh, I, I learned so much. And, and again, now I have to talk again about another writer, Stephen King, my, my hero, my pal. I had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with the guy. done 12 projects with him. I'm you know, he, he, what I learned from Stephen, the biggest thing I learned, and I'm so happy we're not talking about what I learned from Stan Winston or Rick. <laughs> what I learned from Stephen was that, um, you know, writing, creating, very active creating, is a job. Oh, because sure. Let me ask you both a question. Do plumbers, plumbers, when they get a call to fix a leaking pipe, do they roll out of bed and go, I'm not inspired. I'm not going to fix that no. leaking pipe. <laughs> they don't. So, no. so, so the, the thing is about the, what I learned from Stephen is you don't wait for the inspiration to well, come. You you treat it as a job. And when you show up every morning at 8 a.m. and you've got your pen and your paper ready and your quota of what you're going to write and your notes, that inspiration will come. But if you just sit around all day masturbating and smoking dope and expecting 
inspiration to come for the next great American novel. It ain't ever going to happen. You have to do the work. You do. And um, the work is is the vein through which the inspiration flows. Well, it reminds me of the, the Ramsey Campbell bit about, <clears throat> I, I only write when I'm inspired, but luckily inspiration hits me every day at 9 a.m. Right. That's number one. Number, <laughs> no, num, number two. That's I, exactly my point. That's yeah, exactly my point. I contend that there are, there are I'm going to use myself, there are two Tom Carnells. There's right. the real guy who is, is a friend to all and defender of the week. <laughs> Uh, but then there's also the writer guy, who the the product that I put out as the the novels I write. Right. That guy is an amalgam of the other guy over the span of many many days of of who I am today versus who I am tomorrow. Right. And all of those people working on the same project that spits out at the end. It's it's a voice that isn't ever truly your own, and I think that's where people get mistaken with the whole divine hand and God thing. It becomes this: um, your art is this this this. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to use the word amalgam again. It's this mixture of who you were over the span of so. In my case, it takes me months right. over the span of months, and the things that interest me today may not interest my, me tomorrow. That, right, exactly. And maybe I might downplay something. Some plot point or or upsell it or what have you. So um, I think that that's really important because we we it's easy to get tied up into that sort of when I hear divine hand I, I get I bristle a little because I think that it it gives away the ownership of that creativity. Yeah, it, while I mean, while it it, it it seems noble um, for Clive, for example, to say this isn't me; it's channeling through me. Um, as a fan, I have to say, bullshit, because if it wasn't you, Clive, making this art, it wouldn't be as good. You know what I mean? Well, I think yeah, but it wouldn't be as good. It's because Clive is a genius at getting out of the way and right. writing something well, different okay. than you have ever well, instrument. So, yeah, you could, again, it's, it's a dichotomy. Again, it's like, is it black or is it white? I agree with you and I disagree. Right. It, Clive is a great instrument at being nothing. Mm. And being nothing makes the, the genius come through. Well, Marshall always has the the state of Wu Wei, the the state of no mind, right? Where you're 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 not in the way of whatever you're doing, whether it's making a sandwich or painting a photo or right. painting a or portrait. It's 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 that thing that that it's that non grasping that non grasping yeah. mind, yeah, and just the flow of it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah blow free jazz, man. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, so I would I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about and I don't and I I don't want anybody to talk shit about anybody, but uh, volume, what are we gonna go? Can you know I, you I, know I, what's you I, know can what's can coming. I, can I take a commercial break here and say that uh, we're here live with uh, Langley West and somebody who I can't remember the name and we're <laughs> pumping my new book Rubberhead Volume Two. You can pick it up on Kickstarter right now. Just search Rubberhead <laughs> Volume Two. It'll be amazing. It's got a graphic novel in it, 400 full-color pictures. It's outrageous. Oh, okay, let's get to the dirt. Well, okay, okay. before we do that, you mentioned... <laughs> I had to do that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm with you. Uh, you mentioned something that I forgot to mention earlier, and that is that this does have a 20-page graphic novel in it. it How does. badass is that? That's cool. Who, wait, is it like a comic? It is. I mean, you know what the interesting yeah. thing about doing this graphic novel was? Is that, you know, I wrote the story, 
And then I took it to this friend of mine, Wes Hopper, and I said, let's, let's, let's work together on this and let's create the story, not only with the words, but with images. And for the few weeks that I worked with him on this 20-page graphic novel that's included in Rubberhead Volume 2, you can pick it up on Kickstarter. Just go to kickstarter.com, search Steve, Steve Johnson, Rubberhead Volume 2. Um, it was so interesting because I suddenly realized, wow, uh, you can tell so much more if you have images as well. And it was a really fun thing. And I thought, I'm never going to write again without every... The rest of the volumes will be graphic novels because <laughs> it's so much cooler this way. But, uh, uh, you know, again, it was just dipping my toe, you know, testing the temperature of another art form. And it worked out really well. And I think the um, the, the backers will be really excited to see this because it's a funny, funny graphic novel. Well, and, it, and it, uh, what I like about it is that it, it, it's incorporated into the narrative of the story with, that you already wrote. And... Um, right. Uh, in particular, it it has something to do with a piece of writing that you actually released years before any of this stuff started. Um, uh, uh, the Predator all, Store. All I'm going to say is Gecko. It has something to do with a gecko, and uh, <laughs> it has a lot to do with a gecko. Yeah, it does, and and that's very cool. That was the first thing that, but. But okay, so where we were I going before? It's not mine. It's not be, mine. I just out of the way. Before the gecko <laughs> Yeah, before we we got into this, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Like I said, I don't want anybody to talk shit about anybody, but volume. Obviously, you do. Oh no, 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 no! Wait, no! Look, I keep I, trying to change the subject. God damn it, very Steve! Lively, and you. <laughs> I've, I've I've been Did thinking about a way to Rubberhead Volume Two is available on Kickstarter right now. Just go to <laughs> Kickstarter dot com and search Rubberhead Volume Two. That's right, Steve Johnson Volume Two. He's back. Sorry, where where were we? Bam. Okay, so Volume One. <laughs> volume One. You you partnered up with a, a, a another friend of the show, or oh guest of the show, uh, uh, Sandy Calora, and um and 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 uh, don't get me wrong. The product is amazing. I, I, I am over the moon uh, 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 about the product. Um, it turned out great, didn't it? It's yeah, it really did. It, yeah, it did. It's right. fantastic. And I'm glad that you're sticking with the same format because it would have sucked to have different volumes of different sizes on my damn I show. I considered doing that because who no! would expect anything less from me? That but I finally realized that the collectors want them all to line up on their bookshelf. And yeah, yes. sticking with the same format. Yeah. Okay. So uh, without going into any great detail... Um, there was some, I don't know, static animosity, whatever you want to call it, um, between you and Sandy. It basically, you were writing the book. Sandy was doing the Kickstarter for you. Um, what I wanted to talk about was the amazing fallout from this, in that when, when things went sideways, I was ecstatic about the idea of, like, two rival gangs of fans... Like Team Sandy and Team Steve showing up at Monster Palooza and having a fucking rumble because there for a day or two, that's what it was. I was seeing messages like it was. Steve, it was pathetic. It was pathetic. We've got your back, man. Look. <laughs> so can you talk about that a little bit? And is that what that what, would be the gayest gang rumble ever? <laughs> A bunch of effects guys <laughs> that like would be like West Side Story. I'm gonna we bust your hair. It out. <laughs> it would have. I was really excited. I was that. That would have been amazing. I'm thinking slap fight. 
what I'm thinking. Let's not let's not start them clapping. <laughs> well, listen, listen. I do I do have this to say about that. You know, I I, I worked a long time. I worked a bled and clawed and, and tried so hard to become a published author. And Sandy got me published. Yeah. Um, this book series um, wouldn't be set out in the way it is now. And Sandy did have a lot to do with. You know, he was the guy that came up with the the horizontal format because it's more of an art book than a vertical and he put me together with some great writers I'm, I'm sorry great designers uh, who went far above the call of duty to, to put out what we all see now and yeah. what we hold our hands as volume one and um, I, I'm carrying that along and, and volume two will be better volume three will be better than two volume four will be better than three and volume five will be better than all of them put together and this you know Sandy got me started on that road so I'm not going to no. Join your negative workshop. No, no, no. I just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> no, like I said, I didn't want anybody to talk shit, but I did. I, I, I thought we'd be remiss if we didn't at least address it. And we're you moving. Be remiss. Well, I think the, the, the point to make is a, a lot of people felt like they got their, their books late, and they did. Um and I apologize for that, but everybody's, you know, all, all pledges have been fulfilled yeah. at this point. And so probably a lot of people were thinking, well, God damn it, are we going to go on that roller coaster again? But I'm working with Chat Czar and Mike Corell and his people, and they are the salt of the earth. They're such good people, and um, it, 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 it won't happen like that again. No, no, no. We're all pals. We're all friends. And, you know, in a way, I think people are just like, you know, when you, when you pledge for a Kickstarter, you're really... You know, first and foremost, you're being a patron of this person's art. You're trying to help them. You can think of it as charity, but it's not because Kickstarter is a is a tough job to do. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, you know, I, I, jumping on the rubberhead train, as well as is reading the book, just being involved in a Kickstarter is also a, a fucking skydive. <laughs> you never know, right? Is the shoot going to open? Is it not? Yeah. I know that the last time, the last few times we've talked, we, we've kind of gone through your filmography. I just want to hit a couple of things as a way of kind of doing cleanup. What, speaking of, um, off mic, I had just mentioned Alex Winter. You worked on Freaked? Yes, correct. Was, that seems like, uh, what a production. Like, there was so much, such weirdness going so on. So much stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that? No, it's a really good movie. It's one, it's one of those cult classics. I mean, I seem to have been involved in a lot of huge hits and also a lot of cult classics, like mm. Videodrome. Mm-hmm. Is another one, you know? An amazing movie, so far ahead of its time. I, I think Freaked is too, in a comedic way. It's just outrageously ridiculous. And I have to say, the, the thing I'm most proud of, there's a couple of them on Freaked, but um, Alex Winter fucking directed that movie. He co-directed it. Mm-hmm. With his buddy Tom, Tom, I can never remember Tom's last name. He co wrote and co directed it. Mm-hmm. And, but Tom didn't have to wear this crazy Walking Dead exposed half face Big Daddy Roth makeup that he had to be in the makeup chair for every day at 2 a.m. Alex did. Alex mm-hmm. had to sit in that makeup chair and they have this fucking crazy thing put on <laughs> and then go direct with that ridiculous Big Daddy Roth half rotted yeah. walking yeah, yeah, dead yeah. smile on his face. It was just full of and little he, jokes that were great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember you know, the, again, the, uh, I, remember the, the, I remember the heavy petting zoo was really funny. It was Tom, <laughs> Tom Renoni tongue-kissing a goat. 
<laughs> oh, Tom. You know, Tom Renoni, rest in peace. I know. Passed away. Yeah. I, I mean, he was begging for it. He was begging for it, though. Yeah. He was. Yeah. That guy used to bring the fucking Ramones over to my studio and start chomping up lines of the finest ice yeah. you've ever seen in your life. Ice is like, I guess you could call it meth, really pure meth. Sure. And then he'd go, Goddamn, man, this is the best goddamn shop I've ever seen. Best goddamn yeah. shop in town. <laughs> if I was you, I'd be walking around here with my cocks out. <laughs> and I'm like, Tom, I've only got one cock. That's a cock. great Tom Renoni, man. Tom Renoni is, is so funny. He was telling me about growing up. Doing the accent again. Growing up in Beaumont, Texas, seeing <laughs> seeing w the Wizard of Gore at a drive-in. He goes, and beneath those glorious images was a was a play yard of swings and children playing. <laughs> now it's just like, oh my god, I love this man. Yeah, Tom but, is such a funny guy. I'm sorry, Tom was such a funny guy. You just you tell me. I, I one of the films I worked on Tom with. Speaking of Clyde Barker again, was Lord of Illusions. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember one day, it was a Sunday, and I went into Tom, he was the visual effects supervisor on the film. He also was on Return of the Living Dead Part 3, so mm. he, he, he was a visual effects supervisor on several films I did. But I went into Tom's office one Sunday, and we had this huge effect sequence to shoot on Monday. And I remember Clive was directing this film as well as writing it. And um, Clive showed up on a Sunday, and we went down to the set. And uh, Clive is looking around, and he goes, you know, wouldn't it be great if Nick's, the lead bad guy, reaches into our protagonist's throat and pulls his jaw out of his head? And I'm sitting there going, what is Clive talking about? We never storyboarded this. We don't have that effect. But we, there's nothing we can do to have this jawbone pulled out of his head. And Tom goes, goddamn, man. That's great. Let's do it. <laughs> so Clive leaves. I go back up into Tom's office, and he slams the door shut. He turns Metallica on full blast. I can't even hear him talking. He goes, he just starts screaming. He goes, I just want to hear right now, right here, if anybody's got any problem with anything that was just said, turn up the goddamn music. <laughs> like, Tom, we don't have that effect. What do you mean? We can't pull the jawbone out of this guy's head. He goes, there's a goddamn jawbone right there on the wall, man. It's symbolic. Meaning, there was a, the set in, in Nix's lair had cow bones in it, and uh -huh. he pointed down to it. And I'm like, what are we going to do? Stick a jawbone in a puppet that never was created by tomorrow morning? <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, Lord. I got up on a tangent. But, no, no, but Tom's a funny, funny guy. I'll tell you what. I, I am now, right now, looking at a VHS that Tom sent me of. He has a, a, a movie he made called Apoc was it Apocalypto? Something like that. Not Apocalypto. Um, but it, it, when he was like eleven, and it's it's loaded yeah. with all of this all of this weird footage he shot over the years, and I've never digitized it. I probably should. That was hilarious. You got to put it up. I'd actually love to see that. It would be a nice memorial. I will. I, I I'll do that. It's I, long. It's I a, know a guy that'll digitize it for you cheap. All right. Like all, right. all right. All right. Okay. And then the other thing I want to ask you about is um, you worked on um, much later League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Was that set yeah, as crazy? My buddy Steve Norrington. Yeah, was that set as crazy as the stories go with Sean Connery punching the director? And well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because in the graphic in the graphic novel that's available right now on Rubberhead Volume Two, if you go to Kickstarter.com and search Rubberhead, 
there is a graphic novel, and yes, that story is covered in it. And Steve has become a really good friend of mine. He's a great, great guy. And yeah, there was a lot of craziness going on on that set. In sanity, most of it originating from drugs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On whose part? On on like everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to do, do drugs let's with Sean Carter. When, when, when we when, when we went in, when I had to, in Prague, we shot that movie in Prague. When I had to go in for the first uh, film test of uh, Mr. Hyde, mm-hmm. you know the, the 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 character, the big giant guy, the big swollen um, arm, and yeah, yeah. I yeah. had I had not gone to sleep yet, and I was buzzing on my third hit of ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to get notes from Norrington. He's like, there's too many dots, there's too many freckles. I'm like, okay, that's great. What else? Don't you like the, the sideburns? <laughs> and then, and, hang on, and then I found out that Steve hadn't been to sleep either, and he was still high on ecstasy. Nice. <laughs> well, that explains a little of that. Okay. So was the Wesley Snipes on, we shot uh, Blade 2 in, 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 in Prague. And Wesley, if you go to Prague, here's what you got to do. Ecstasy. Sure. Apparently. Apparently, that's right here. <laughs> um, well, you know, there, there are the stories of, of him on um, on the set of... Uh, Bla- uh, Patton Oswalt talks about pa- uh, working on Blade 3. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> communicating <laughs> through <laughs> sticky notes and this haze of weed smoke <laughs> all the time. You know, I want to bring up something that, that we kind of have... I've, it just kind of occurs to me. You had mentioned Hunter S. Thompson. There's a lot of Hunter in you. And I'm wondering about that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Hunter in me, and I and I read we we can smell our own. Um, um, the idea <laughs> uh, uh, is he is he a touchstone? Like for me, he's a big touchstone in my life. Is he in, is he a big sort of in your iconography, your personal iconography? He's he's actually not, and it surprises me that people, does even in the forward the volume even, even listen even in the forward to volume one. Uh, John Landis refers to me as uh, Hunter Thompson. Uh, he, well, I think the quote is, Steve writes as if he's a makeup man about to go bungee jumping with Hunter Thompson and Indiana Jones. <laughs> and that's interesting because a, a much bigger influence besides Stephen King on my own writing is uh, is Kurt Vonnegut. And I think uh, that all five volumes are much more Vonnegut than Thompson. Okay. But people constantly go, Hunter Thompson, Hunter Thompson, Hunter Thompson. I guess that means I have to shoot myself at the end of my life because that's uh, what he did. No, 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 no. You know, get but, shot into space by Johnny... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think that, 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 that... I mean, the 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 idea that, you know, uh, in many points in my life, I believe that nothing succeeds like excess. And, and that uh, both was a good thing because it ends up where I'm at now. Right. But it was also, you know, it's also you it, took some bad bounces and that kind of thing. Can we, let's talk about that for a second. So, um, right fi- after a commercial break from the, the the good folks over at Rubberhead Volume, <laughs> volume two. 2. Head on over kid, to Kickstarter. <laughs> Search Rubberhead Volume 2. Pick up a book. There's a lot of great rewards. Chet Zar wrote the cover. Wrote the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what what were you guys saying? <laughs> uh, okay, so okay, a- as you've alluded to, and as everybody knows, uh, 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 drug drug use ha- ha- has been a big part of your past. Um, yeah, there was a big chunk of uh, you know like, and 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 that's I think one of the things that that draws people to books like this is that you know effects guys were the rock stars 
uh, of the '80s in the film industry. Um, yeah, and and I mean that in a literal sense. You guys really were sure. you were, you were rock stars. Oh, no doubt, absolutely. Yeah, and so, now we're the the guys begging on freeway entrances. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so some of you are, some of you so, are. Look at what Craig's Greg's doing. Greg's doing Aces stuff. He's well, amazingly. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, 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 especially Greg Nicotero. We're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially uh, starting yeah, out he's, as he's the he's the K and K and B for those of you. That yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the only reason to watch that abysmal show. Actually, he's the M and can be so. Yeah, he's the, the K and he's the, uh, <laughs> the the K is or uh, uh, Robert is Kurtzman doing Buffett. his own thing. Yeah, man, man he's he's in. Where is no K and, and he's doing great too. And yeah. he's doing great. Like, third, what the fuck? Where is he? He's in Ohio. Iowa? I Ohio. He just opened. He opened a new studio and he he's based in Ohio and he has been for many years. Yeah. So he just opened a studio in Atlanta. With so much work is Dude, Atlanta yeah. is like the new Hollywood. That it really is. It for is. now. Yeah. Unless they... Well, there's, it's going to change. There was some talk about some tax credits or some LBGTQ thing that the governor was talking about. Where? In in Georgia. And that a lot of the people, like Walking Dead production threatened to like, if this passes, we're out of here. Oh, well... And that'll devastate them. We'll figure out what other, yeah, you right. know, state... I re- it, dude, that's happened so many times. Like, oh, the, you know, Vegas is the new Hollywood, or Vancouver. I know Toronto is the new Hollywood. Yeah, yeah exactly. Portland. You know yeah. what has maintained its status as the new Hollywood? Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Vancouver is pretty solid. Well, so much television gets done up here. You know, one yeah. of the reasons why I moved up here was because I'm only 40 minutes away from Vancouver, not realizing how what a pain in the ass it is to work across the border. Yeah. Fuckers. Oh okay. yeah. Um. Uh, so, what, what I wanted to what I wanted to talk to you about briefly because I've I've had we don't care about what you want to talk about. Let's Bullshit. Talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people. I've Keep lost your train of thought. Keep your train of thought. I'm sorry. I'm I, no, that, no, that's okay. And I'm not succeeding, unfortunately. I've I've lost people in my family to to substance abuse. And yeah. I, w- I wanted to talk to you briefly, and, and you don't you don't got to go into any great detail or anything, but how did you find your way back? Because I've had my own I've had my own battles with substance abuse in in my particular case, alcohol. Well, that's a difficult question, but you know I didn't I didn't find my way back. What what's happened is I just keep switching substances. I'll <laughs> find that one. Let let's just say the first substance abuse issue I had was marijuana when I was 16 I started smoking marijuana and I was like oh my god this is great I want to be high for the rest of my life Right. but then I got tired of it I got tired of it I was like okay it's the same old thing blah 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 and so then you know I came out to California and probably the next substance I got addicted in the early 80s to was cocaine because it was cool and it was the thing to do and it was an honor if you you know pulled out your wallet and a huge amount of cocaine at a party it was like People didn't look down at you like, wow, that guy makes right. money. He's wearing a gold razor blade on his back. This is okay. It was the um, thing. Cocaine got old. And, exactly. So cocaine got old. So then I went to, um, uh, what was the next one? Vicodin, maybe? Opiates? Yeah, uh, yeah, ecstasy? Yeah. You name it. And at this point, I'm, I'm getting really old, so I just drink myself into a stupor every day. Mm. Yeah. Because I can just go. I can't go to, uh, to the corner liquor store and buy a head of ecstasy but i can go buy a bottle of whiskey (laughs) well do you buy do you buy into the theory that that um well i guess it's not a theory i guess it's a it's a real thing you know there is such a thing as genetically predisposed 
for substance abuse and uh, a, or at least at the very least an addictive personality. Hmm. I, I'm sorry. Could you uh, could you repeat that question? I was too busy uh, taking a shot of whiskey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> an addictive personality. I think that I think that the same thing that that makes you vulnerable to substance abuse is the same thing that makes you sometimes a good artist in that you you become Well, let's not glorify this. Let's not glorify. No, no, no. no I, I, I guess what I'm saying is what I'm saying is this this <coughs> predisposition to lose yourself in something. It whether it's art, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, painting, whether it's writing, whether it whatever it might be, I think that people who are able to do that are also able to go down a rabbit hole of drugs or drink. Or Absolutely. And that's, I wish we had another three 20-minute sections to talk about this because <clears throat> this is a great subject to talk about because, um, you know, people that are lost and struggling their way through the depths of addiction don't see how it's really affecting their life. Right. But it is. It absolutely is, but in, when you're when you're when you're drowning in it, you think it's helping you, mm -hmm. and, and in a way it does. In the beginning, it does. I mean, I've, I've done every, I've done drugs there aren't even names for, it, sure. right? And I, I I try to tell myself this is helping me, but but is it? Look at my life now. I don't know. Is it better or is it worse? You tell yourself as an addict it's better, but how would I ever know if I didn't stop so I could get stand back and take a sober look at it? You know, I don't right. know. Right, 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 right. So. Uh, not related. Um, I wanted to. I want, one of the things that you're known for is is being an innovator, and that's. I think that. I think that that's one of the one of the. You know, I think that that's one of the things that should go on your tombstone. Is uh, you you thought outside the box. You colored outside the lines. You um, did things differently than other people did. I wanted to ask you about that because. Do you think that that is something that you can cultivate? Or do you think that that is something that is inherent? Because if I feel like er, any time that I try to do something, I don't know, different or like it, it, it's like it's forcing it and it's not real. And do, do, do you get what well, I'm getting a, at? That's a really, really, that's a really good question. It's, my God, this is like the best podcast ever. We, we never once mentioned that I made Slimer and that you can pick it up on Kickstarter if you search <laughs> Rubberhead Volume Two right now. <laughs> No, that is a really good question, but um, uh, now I forgot what the question was. You will always, oh, is it is it inherent? I, I think that um, you know, is is DNA inherent or good genetics inherent? Yeah, they all are. Are you, are you born? Do you come out of the womb as a great painter, a great writer, a great musician? I don't think you do. I, I think that all factions of any art is something that you can develop and something you can become a genius at. But you have to work really, really hard at it. You have to not be able to not do it. But when I say that, that comes from, a, I think, a deep personal pain, deep personal longing, desire to prove to the world... Excuse me. I'm on my 50-something cigarette. You have to prove to the world that you're better than the rest of them. You have to prove to the world that you're better than you could ever be. So that's something you just have to wake up with. It's something that will keep you up awake, keep you up at night. 
Um, yeah, all of these things can be developed, but you have to be born, I think, with loss. You know, you have to try to fill that void, fill that hole. A lot of people do it with drugs. A lot of people do it with art. But that, that this is how we move through this life. We're constantly trying to to throw something back into the universe, and I think that's what art, the very definition of art is, well, you is know, giving back. Well, you know, I feel like people, there's an, there's a, I think we're born with an empathy that that we can we're empathetic to to someone's perspective, their point of view, their their way of looking at things, and unfortunately, it's kind of like that scene in Scanners when they're in the um, food court and you can hear all those. Right. There's so much, and there's so much to be when you're empathetic like that to see in the world that's tragic. It's really easy to be overwhelmed by that. Yeah. And I think a lot of creative yeah. people. They turn to drugs and alcohol because number one, it 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 helps them deal with that. Well, Being it, able to see life so plainly. It helps. Well, it, it, I mean, it, whether this is good or bad, it helps to dull all right. of that noise. But, but I, also think I know, and there's so much noise. How could you not want to tune it out? You know, I mean, yeah. then because this is why I don't like my. I have a very terrible relationship with my phone. I have a terrible relationship with my computer, I have a terrible relationship with my television because it's too much noise. And I'm always doing something. And people don't understand why I won't just pick up the phone, but it's because I'm always thinking. I'm always dealing into something. And yeah, it and, and it's there's too much noise out there. And you're right. You know, turning to art it, it is a way of, of tuning that out but also focusing. Well I think you know that I, mean? I think that like turning to drugs and alcohol helps sort of soften that edge. The art comes because with having seen life so again so plainly, this is our in- way of interpreting it and pre- and giving it you're right, absolutely Steve, giving it back to the world and saying right. I've taken all of these disparate influences and created this widget here and then, then it gets into the whole thing about whether the world accepts it. Right, or right. Or but it's still art, right. and it's still there. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think yeah. absolutely. I know in my case, it's been. We spoke the last time you were here. We spoke about um, all these kids doing makeup effects now when there really isn't the industries to support it, and it, we we talked about how it's it's just art for art's sake at this point. You know, people are doing right. makeup effects. Hey, Monster Palooza is coming up in one week. You want to see art for art's sake? Yeah. Come to Monster Palooza. Yeah, 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 yeah. Monster Palooza, man, is is the, is still for me the greatest con that that. It's fucking amazing. For it's my amazing. for my world, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, if this yeah. thing existed uh, forty years ago, oh my god. Yeah. I don't know where my life would have gone, but the, you have to understand that these these types of art shows and Monster Palooza. Is first and foremost an art show. Yeah, this is uh, you know generating fuel for the up and coming artists, the dark artists, the makeup effects people, the, yeah. the filmmakers, the writers, and it it, it, it helps inspire people. And again, um, Elliot Brodsky that throws the show on, in my opinion, he's a writer. He's writing the future of our industry. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, by by I, putting all this fodder into the world and allowing that to gestate in all these people's minds, and then have it. Be spat back out in another way. That's, that's how art works. It's you know, it's one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And, and yeah. Monster Palooza is a great show in that respect. Are you are you going to be there this year? Yep, I am. Right sweet. Well, sweet, sweet, sweet. Once again, hours hour goes by. Yeah, too an fast. hour goes by way too fast. Steve, Dude, before we go, 
please give us all the information. Where can people support this book? Why do they need to support this book? Go. Well, as Sergeant Lincoln Osiris would say, have you seen Tropic Thunder? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, Joe can't cry. It don't matter. You ain't got the cameras on anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just lost our entire audience. Why should they support this book? Well, the independent art movement is, is a powerful thing. You know, if, if, if you support mine, I'll support yours. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And again, I think that the theme of all five volumes of Rubberhead is um, I, I wanted, my whole goal was, of course, we talked about, um, you know, sitting around the campfire and telling stories as cavemen. That's the original art form. Um, guess what's going to happen in a hundred years? In a hundred years from now, what, what date will that be? It's 2018 now, it'll be 2118. Yeah. Um, no one will know. They'll be sitting around with goggles on. They won't want to know if they've eaten too much or if they, if they're a man or a woman or an eagle or a fucking fox. They'll be in, living in a virtual world. And, uh, the only way to look back at this wonderful time of handmade creations from the early 80s and 90s will be books like this. Yeah, you know, and and I, I think that makes this a kind of a responsibility because nobody else is going to do it. Mike Westmore said it to me best from the fabulous Westmore family. He's like, "Don't write that book until you're on your deathbed." <laughs> but I said, "I said no, I'm going to write it now." <laughs> but you know, it's because it is it is a responsibility, and because it it, it is it, it, you know to, to sound like a pompous ass that I am, I think that you know it, it, it's something that the kids will have in the future to look back upon and that's that's the whole game here just awesome. to, you know to, right to open a window into the past right awesome right. so you need to go to kickstarter rubberhead rubberhead volume two right that's important because if they just look up rubberhead they're going to see your old kickstarter Rubberhead Volume 2. Yeah, we don't want that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Exactly. Well, once again, thanks for coming on. Um, we're going to be back in just a second. Thanks again to Steve for coming on. Um, always a good time. Uh, an interesting, interesting guy. Um, and fun. Yeah, and, and Rubberhead is one of those things where, you know, all five of them together on a shelf are going to be very, Dude, it's very be cool. badass. Yeah, It'll yeah, be yeah. very, very yeah. cool. And what a nice thing to do for him because it kind of documents a life and a trajectory, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Moving on to a bunch of news. There's a lot of. By stuff. the way, we had a we had a listener say that they missed the obituaries. 
Did they? Yeah, yeah. So uh, just, just, just let you know. Just let you know. <laughs> Why? Well, um, off the top of my head, I know uh, Steve Bochco died, and right. Cecil Taylor, the jazz pianist, died. Yep. And yeah, and we may bring that back. We'll see. <laughs> uh, let's see. Buzzing through this. Netflix is reporting, reportedly eyeing the purchase of Luke Besson's studio, which would give Luke Besson. And out because he went into the tank over Valerian. Valerian, yeah, but yeah. it would also help. Like they, he'd probably be spending Netflix money. Remember, not only is it what the movies he's directing, but it's also the movies he's producing. Sure, sure. And he's producing really cool shit. Yeah. So, you know, man, still to this day, you know, when I talk about La Femme Nikita, mm-hmm. people always think about the TV show. I'm like, no, goddamn no, it, you movie go watch is so this movie. much better. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And such a great idea. Yeah. You know? And it had this this French sort of feel to it that made it even cooler. Yeah. Um little comic thing. Astro City, which is a huge superhero um series, is uh there's a TV series in the works at Fremantle and Fremantle are the people who produce American Gods. Oh, okay. So this is kind of like a DC is Marvel's universe, but it's different in that it's more real. And they so have it's like not DC or Marvel; it's its own thing. You know, I want to say it might be DC. I, I'm not. I'm not up on who it was. I want to say. I want to say it's Kurt Busiek. But anyway, but it's the idea of these these almost gods that that sure. operate with villains and blah, 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 blah. But they had very, very real problems. More similar to something like, let's say, Watchmen than, let's say, right. Batman. I'm still waiting for the boys, man. Somebody's supposed to... Oh! oh I got they, some news they, on the boys. Uh, Frank Miller is going to pen an adult graphic novel about Carrie Kelly, who was the young Robin in Dark Knight Returns. Okay. So, I'm good. I don't know that Frank Miller is really the person to write a story about an empowered post-teen. Yeah. But I'm in. Well, it'll be he, interesting. He, he developed the, the character. Yeah. So, there's that. Um, I found this thing online. You can find it, too. It's on YouTube. It's called The Driving Dead. It's a 10-minute short film put on by the Illinois Department of Transportation. Yeah, and it's good. Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker is in it, and it's badass. It's, it's really good. It's yeah. like a zombie thing, and it's creepy, and the zombies are scary, and and he's kind of riffing on, on Merle from Walking, from Walking Dead. Dead. Sure. It's all being done under the guise of an Illinois Transport Department of Transportation yeah. PSA. Yeah, it's very kind of cool. cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, Woody Harrelson has been cast as Carnage in Tom Hardy's Venom. Okay, so that's good. I mean, yeah. for Woody Harrelson, I mean, he's, he's in everything. Yeah. Now. Well, and he's also good. Yeah. Yeah. He's and one of those rock solid actors. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 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 Absolutely. Uh. This is interesting. Roger Corman is being sued by his sons. The Corman family recently sold off all of their their rights to all of their films to Shudder and a couple of other sites. Sure. And the sons are suing the estate because they think that the mom is unduly influencing Roger, who supposedly, I hear, may even have Alzheimer's. But... um, uh, s- maneuvering him and his finances, uh-huh. and the sons are suing to try to protect him for that. 
Um, Why does this happen so often? Like we, it, 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 it's uh, we've heard this story many Hap- times. It's before. happening with the Zappas now. Yeah, yeah, between yeah. Dweezil and Amit. Yeah, you know that's crazy. Uh, new new CBS adaptation of The Stand is coming with Josh Boone. It's yeah, a, he's developing. It's a ten hour limited series. Right. Um. Okay. You know, I sure. I get. I get the. I I really love the early nineties stand. Mick Garris mm-hmm. is the stand. Uh, Greatest rollout ever. Uh, I, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and and there are things that make it dated, and mm-hmm. and and you know that's fine. Um, I tend to I tend to see dated as. Uh, I'm using air quotes here as a time capsule. Sure. Um, and so I don't, I don't think that that's a bad thing. It just, it just shows you what was going on at, you know, that time as far as filmmaking goes. Um, but, uh, it, it, it would be nice to see a new interpretation. I hope, I hope that, uh, they, at at the very least maintain the spirit of the, of the first, uh, Well, yeah, CBS did Under the Dome, didn't they? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, a couple of uh, Stranger Things news. Number one, the filmmakers are being sued over allegations that they stole the story. A la The Matrix or half a dozen other Right, things. right, right, right. Um, and also, Stranger Things is going to be added to Universal Studios' Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, that's cool. A lot of casting little kids with bloody noses. Sure. <laughs> Um, this list, this will excite you. Fox Searchlight is developing a new line of films with Guillermo. Yeah, Lopez. they are. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yes. Yeah, when did an Oscar will do that yeah. for you? <laughs> I don't know what it means. Um, I know that uh, it, it's not necessarily just all films that he's directing, but it's also projects that he's involved with producing yeah. and stuff. It's Fox Searchlight, so that tends to be more art house. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So maybe Spirit of Water was like, ooh, here's yeah, a new yeah, yeah. conduit of. Well, you know, um, I've always enjoyed even the things that he's just been peripherally involved mm-hmm. with. I liked Mama. I love his adaptation, or, or well, the thing that he produced, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people didn't. I don't quite get that, but. Um, but hopefully, Shape of Water is like clearing the path for it. Just, just let him do whatever the fuck he wants because he's do whatever he wants. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to see him do something. You know, man, Frankenstein. It's I'm waiting for a Del Toro Frankenstein. Yeah, I'm more excited. If I will take a Bill Condon Bride of Frankenstein. Man, that would be bad. More than a would, oh. Del Toro. I would rather see Del Toro do something. Something else. Oh, dude, Mountains of Madness. Mountains of Madness. Yeah. 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 Uh, Matt Reeves is says things are quote going really really well on the new on the Batman the Batman film standalone film that oh. supposedly is being done. Okay. <laughs> I care because it's Batman. Um, Amazon is working on. The I don't want Batman to become. Tarzan or Peter Pan, yeah, like yeah. The, we we don't need anymore. Well, I've I've given up. I I know that they'll never make my Batman film. Sure. Because there's <laughs> no way. But um, I'd be interested. I'd I'd love to see a I'd love to see a more. I want to see him detect, because it's never detecting anymore. It's always right. about stumbling into scenarios. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, Amazon is working on a seri- uh, their own series based on a league of their own. Okay. Yeah. 
know, when you uh, look at like that Amazon has out the incredible Miss Maisel and by the way an amazing series good yeah it's really good and a lot of these things were this kind of thing a league of their own it feels like a good fit yeah you know, yeah given their demographic uh, True Detective 3 was being directed a lot of it was being directed by supposedly by Jeremy Saulnier who did uh, Green Room uh huh not anymore no creative differences yeah he's gone um, Joan Collins is announced is joining American Horror Story. Right. Yeah. Uh, I said on Facebook, I said that um, she'll show up in the season finale like Elena Marcos in Suspiria <laughs> <laughs> because she's looking. Ooh, it's yeah, a, it's a rough road I for mean, Joan. But know, she's iconic. They, gotta, they have to replace. Uh, what the hell's her name? Um, um, Kathy Bates is back. I read that. Yeah, Kathy Bates is back. But who? Who? Damn it, Jessica Lang. Yeah, oh, she left? I, I don't think she's involved anymore. Huh. I, and I might be wrong. Uh, but, yeah, she was she was kind of the their linchpin. You know? Their linchpin, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Amazon, they've just added uh, Carl Urban as the lead character in The Boys. Oh! I forget the guy's name. Something, yeah. something B. Wait, no, you can't do that. The, the lead character in The Boys is even... It's Simon Pegg. It's even... It's his face. It's his... Carl Urban. Oh, God. Yeah. Judge Dredd himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is interesting. Um, last week, Sony dumped $250 million in Spotify stock. Yeah. That's that's something. Yeah. Something I, is going on. Yeah. I, it's going to be really interesting. Like, I've been listening to, like, literally a couple months of, like, what's ha what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? You know, uh, uh, CDs are going away. Mm -hmm. Downloads are going away. Oh, everything to the cloud? Everything's going to be going into the cloud. Everything's going to be streaming. And that's... Mm -hmm. and, 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 I think, well, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, this is the new model until people are like, no, I want my own shit. And but, you know, it's the same thing with vinyl, right? That's a huge resurgence now. Yeah. Jack White just sold more copies on vinyl of his new album mm -hmm. than last week's biggest selling um, this album, which I don't remember what it was. More than, more than streaming, more than anything else. But does he that sold more on fucking records? Yeah, but does that say something more about Jack White's audience? Or well, or I, I think it definitely does. Of the marketplace. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it does. I like having physical media because I've also been able to not get to the cloud. Yeah. And I like, and I, if I want to hear something, I want to be able to hear it. I am, I, 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 I a little bit ashamed to say this, but I, the cloud scares me. Mm. You know. I mean, even as it is, like, I try to minimize my use of the cloud, and still there's photographs and shit floating around. I'm like, well, how the fuck does that happen? Oh, I know. You know, it's like, I don't get it. It's all magic to me. It's, it's just fucking uh, algorithms and shit. Uh, FX has ordered a pilot. This is more comic except for Why the Last Man. So, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good series. Why the Last Man is a good comic. Uh, this is exciting, because I heard that this would never be done. Uh, Gary Whitta, who wrote Book of Eli and Rogue One, yeah. is writing a script for a planned remake of Last Starfighter. Oh. 
I thought that the old people who own the rights didn't want it to ever be remade. I don't know. I guess when you keep adding zeros to the check, sure, and anything is possible. Yeah. Uh, this is also cool. Ashley Edward Miller, who wrote who wrote X Men First Class, is developing a script for a proposed Red Sonia film, different from the Robert Rodriguez one, different from the Bridget Nielsen one. Yeah, I'm kind of in. Good that it's different than the Bridget Nielsen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would rather see a um. Uh. Not Red Sonia, the pirate, the love, Belial, Belial, Belay, 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 the pilot, yeah, yeah. the the pirate that was like supposedly that the love the of his only life, only love of Conan's life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd rather see that because it gets you everything Red Sonia does, but it it gets it. But it doesn't you. have the name. People right. don't. If, if people but it also doesn't have the baggage. That's true. If so. people aren't. Howard fans though they don't know who she is. I looked. I really looked forward to the so Rodriguez, like the Lion of the Sea, or yeah. something like that. Well, yeah. the 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 pirate was that. This was she was barely in the Howard books. Red she's Sonya. only yeah. She's well and yeah. yeah yeah. So anyway, I was very excited by the poster they put out of Rose McGowan as um, Rodriguez or uh, Rodriguez as uh, Red Sonia. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting. But yeah, well, yeah. I, I, this new thing should be good because with these days of playing everything real, we may get something very yeah. cool. Um, this is really... Okay, so the, there's a petition online to cast Meryl Streep in the, in the, as uh, Princess Leia yeah. because the internet is stupid yes. and they think that's a good idea. Yeah. Like what, a geriatric Leia? And well, is, is it the elephant in the room that everyone's going to go... That doesn't look. That's not Princess Leia. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why Princess Leia. I mean, in that universe, we've moved on from that story. You know, so mm -hmm. uh, technically, she's yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, is that is this the only fucking family that we can deal with? I think I have more on that. In well, we. I but mean, we've talked about this before. Like, m my ideal Star Wars universe is. Having nothing to do with the family, having mm -hmm. nothing to do with even the empire and and that shit, you know, mm -hmm. like it's like I, I I still to this day I maintain. Look, I want a I want a mutual of Omaha type show in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> a one-off, like an internet thing, would be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It would be great. Um. Ryan Johnson, uh, who did Last Jedi, is doing this new Star Wars trilogy, and he says it's going to focus on, quote, the essence of Star Wars. But then he went on to say that you really don't have a Star Wars story without the, the Skywalker name, and, and I disagree. I totally disagree with that. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a universe. It's I, think, I think a Boba Fett film is a step in the right direction. Yeah. I think that you ultimately... Um, you... You can do there's it's a universe. Yeah, exactly. It's huge, right? It's, it, that's that's yeah. what we've learned is that it's huge. Uh, let's see. Look for a high, a more upbeat high fidelity with a female protagonist. Yeah, coming yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there really a female? I didn't read that. Yeah, female protagonist. Wasn't that yeah. essentially Empire Records? Uh, I guess kind of. It I, the 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 vibe that I'm getting is that um, you know how it's basically it, high fidelity is John Cusack's inability to fucking figure out women yeah. is basically the, the storyline. 
and I'm thinking that this is um, a woman who is sick of all these guys who can't fi figure out how to do shit, mm. you know, when it comes to relationships. Mm. Uh, and, and so it'll be, if that's the case, it'll be a, a fun flip on, on what was going on. I like the movie. Oh, I love the movie. Uh, many. We've all known those stores. Sure, I yeah. worked in all them. Yeah. And many people at the time this movie came out, they go, have you seen High Fidelity? Because you're totally in it. <laughs> you're that guy. I am totally <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I just did, uh, yeah. Um, I'm not selling you that album. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I did. I used to hand people Beatles records like they were infectious. <laughs> just to be a dick. Anyway, um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, let's see, we're almost done here. Um December 7th, a day that will live in infamy. Well, it'll also be the release date of Anna and the Apocalypse. This new zombie musical thing. Have you seen this trailer? No, but I ought to, I already hate it. No, it looks really good. <laughs> it looks really fun. It's like a weird... Like, it's a musical, but right? it's set in a zombie apocalypse. So, like, the genetic opera is a musical... Yeah, but we won't hold that in here. <laughs> no, this actually, and a lot of the people that have seen it have in it played Sundance, or I want to say, or South. By the South way, Southwest. did you see the uh, the new uh, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar? Haven't seen it. Um, I my, hear great things. But I do too. My I wife and the, I are going to watch the it. Alice Cooper bit. Yeah, me too. And that looked that was great. My wife has fallen down a Hamilton, uh, and she goes, "You got to yeah. hear this." I go, "No, I don't. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I don't." Um, let's see. And then finally, Sony and Holly Berry want to remake The Jagged Edge, the Glenn Close, Jeff Bridges movie. Why? I don't know. I don't know who's calling for this. That's a and weird... Doesn't it seem like Holly Berry just... All she is is, is she just plays victims. Her and Gabrielle Union. Yeah. Victims that turn the table. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think that's people misinterpreting empowerment. Yeah, well, the idea is that you know, she, victimized to the point where I'm, I'm not going to take this anymore. Right, and stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straw dogs. Straw dogs. Yeah. There's a, and she just seems to be doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, let's see. Going on to trailers. Um, even though I said we were going to cut these down, there was just a lot of these this week, and so I didn't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we're going to go through these. First one, uh, coming of age film with. Quirky protagonist called And Then I Go. Justin Long is in it. Um, looks good. Looks real. Mm -hmm. And that's what and that's what I like about it. Um, kid that doesn't fit in. Kid doesn't fit in. Uh, uh, and what I liked is that he's he's younger than most of these type of movies do. He's like a preteen. He's mm -hmm. not not a teenager, or, or or maybe just an early teenager. But um, yeah, it looks good. Um, you, and and it looks like. When I was working at the clinic with a lot of kids, it looks like the same conversations that I saw in real life over and over again. Oh, good. And so I'm excited for it. It does. It looks It good. looks solid. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, next up, Netflix movie, Martin Freeman and a Baby in the Zombie Apocalypse called Cargo. So this is a two-hour uh, version of a short film that was made okay. uh, a, a, a few years ago. And I thought the short film was I brilliant. Do remember you remember that? that? There's a zombie walking around, and yeah. he, he, he put the baby on his back, 
in the hopes that somebody would, so that he couldn't get to the baby, because he knows once he changes, right. he's, he's going to want to eat the baby. And so he puts it on his back in a baby carrier, and he's wandering around as a zombie, hoping that somebody finds him. Wow. As, I'm in. And, and kills him and, and saves the baby. And in the short film, that's what happened. I don't know if it's going to work as a two-hour movie. Two hours is a long road to yeah. hoe. Or, or even a 90-minute movie. Like it, It's a great... It's a great idea. I, I I will check it out because it is such a great novel concept. Um, I hope that the that the original filmmaker is either involved or got paid, you know, with a capital P. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, it looks good. And Martin good Freeman. In it. Martin it's, Freeman, you know, it's looks gonna, like it's taking place in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely got the desert tone. Next up, uh, Johnny Galecki, who was in Roseanne, and he was in Big Bang, and Angelica Houston in this really quirky little movie called The Cleanse. Reminded me of things like The Lobster and Essence of Wellville. Right. Was that an A24 yeah. movie? Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. Who also brought you The Lobster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, very odd. Very odd. Uh, he, he He's taking part in some kind of a self-improvement program. Mm-hmm. Part of which is a cleanse where you drink all this shit and then you throw up shit. Mm -hmm. And in his particular case, he throws up something that's... Well, I don't, that's the thing. I don't think it's in his particular case. I think it, that's the therapy is, oh, is that getting you? that thing out. So and it just seems really odd and weird and very kind of like, like Coen Brothers at their weirdest. Yeah. And, you know? Uh, I mean, definitely interesting. There's some practical effects there. For the, the weird little creature. Yeah, that, that little creature thing was cool. Yeah. yeah. Looks very tadpole y. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in. I'm in on that one. Uh, the Escape of Prisoner 641. Ron Perlman. Fire deputies become involved in a manhunt. Uh, quirky and weird. Kind of like. It felt weird like um, Gale and Tucker. Oh. Without all the bloodletting, you know the, what I mean. Yeah. It just seemed more very quirky, very Fargo. Basically, feeling. basically, the the the, the two sh deputies um, start to question whether or not the guy that they're after is is really guilty of actually this guilty, and uh, and it becomes a them versus the sheriff. Mm -hmm. um, Played by Ron Perlman, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it looks good. Yeah, solid. Um, another, uh, I think this is coming to Netflix. First Reformed, Ethan Hawke as a priest who cre faces some sort of crisis of faith in some way. Directed by Paul Schrader. That's what makes it interesting for me. Is it's directed by the same guy who brought you Mishma. Uh, a Life in Four Chapters, the guy who wrote Taxi Driver, the mm -hmm. guy who directed Cat People. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, while the while the actual content of the trailer itself wasn't that exciting to me, just the fact that he's involved, I want to see. Ethan Hawke was just he just did that Chet Baker bio. And, oh, that's right. And it yeah. was really good. Yeah. It was really good. And so, uh, yeah, this is interesting. It, it I love the the idea of a, a crisis of faith. Yeah. And a priest. It's always going to be good. Um, next up, uh, Nicole Kidman, Elle Fanning, in a movie directed by um, Hedwig and the Angry Inches, John Cameron Mitchell. It's called How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Dude, this thing is like bananas. It is bananas. It's bananas. And, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm trying to tell from the trailer whether or not Fanning, is Fanning's character 
an alien? It seems that I way. I think that I think so. Yeah. But she, so they're they're these kind of weird ethereal Zen-like creatures, mm-hmm. and she falls in with a bunch of punk rockers mm-hmm. in. 1977 in England. Yeah, at, you know, at the forefront of. Punk but there rock. was the time, though. You know, when when you run into these people and they seem very, very alien. Yeah. And 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 it. You have to remember that at the time. That's kind of what people Klaus were. Klaus Nomi, right. Lena Lovitch, yeah. Lydia Lunch. They were all these right. David Bowie. They were all like otherworldly characters. Yeah, yeah. And, and um. Hell, Roxy music. I like John Cameron Mitchell. I I I really. Loved what he did with Short Bus. Short Bus was great. Hedwig is Hedwig is, 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 is fantastic, amazing. Yeah. So you know, I'm in. Yeah. I'm absolutely in. Next up, um, Incredibles two. Um, a given. We're in. Yeah. Um, looks great. Looks funny. Um, bristled a little bit at the old trope of oh you know oh isn't it funny when Dad tries to do the sure. housework. Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, am I going to see it? Absolutely. The only thing I would have liked to see different is is everybody older. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like we're it seems like everybody's at the same age. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next up, rape revenge film. All I spit on your grave called revenge. Yeah. So, um, I I I like the stuff that I see in the trailer where she's like, I'm coming back after you. Mm-hmm. But I don't get how that happens from the trailer. Is she a zombie? Mm. Is she is she just not that badly injured? Because mm-hmm. they say left in all the thing that I read, it said left for dead. Yeah. So I don't know. That's maybe. why I was like, is that she a would zombie? be great. Because, that would be cool. Because like she falls on this thing that impales her. You right. Know, it's like how do you come back from that? But anyway, yeah. So uh, she she's with a guy and uh, he's got some his friends associates and bad shit happens and she the idea it, it reminded me a lot of very bad things yeah and like you know we're all we're all partying and oh wait something happens so where they're gonna dump her body yeah I think and they when they do she, that's when she gets impaired she's like I'm coming back for you yeah yeah absolutely um Asian film Seven Years of Night Man Takes Revenge for a Hit and Run Death I have no idea what the fuck was going on in this trailer <laughs> all I know is that it's Korean and it's intense that's yeah. all I know it reminded me of things like um, Chaser and the ah, there's the serial killer movie um, the, the Korean movie um this guy's having a shitty day or whatever and he's driving along and he hits some girl right. and then her relative um, just knows who he is and he runs he drives away and he says he avoids prosecution I want to say with the mm-hmm. vibe I get and this relative goes oh no no so no it's a, no, essentially no, no. another revenge movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I saw the devil is the other oh okay okay right um, let's see a uh, documentary on Kane Hodder called To Hell and Back um, yeah, this looks cool. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a fan of the Friday the Thirteenth films, mm-hmm. and uh, and a fan of Kane Hodder, and and, and uh, you know, Kane's has a, a career as a con guest now, mm-hmm. and uh, interesting. I didn't know about the fire incident. I didn't know that that had kind of fucked up his career, mm-hmm. and, and 
and all that. So it, it looks cool. I mean, if you're if you're a horror fan, sure. Well, it looks cool in that because he's he seems to be like Frank. Like, let me. I'll tell you. At one point, he says, "Can we stop?" Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can, you yeah. know, and that's that's hard yeah, yeah. for a big guy like that. To, yeah, you know. Um, I agree. I think if you're a fan, you're already in the bag for yeah. this. Um, if you're not, maybe not. Um, Lee Winnell um, directing Logan Marshall Green starring this film called Upgrade about a guy who's a quadriplegic. Yeah. And and they find and they install this thing in him that makes him better. Yes. He can walk again. Yes. But it uh, it comes with its own sentience. Yeah, its own AI yes. kind of thing, like Jarvis. So, this looks really fun. It looks really it fun. It looks really fun because he, he, he's, he's trying to get, again, it's a revenge movie. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get revenge on these guys that fucked him up. And it seems like partway through, it's like, oh shit, I'm not good at this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, the implant, STEM, mm-hmm. um, they call it, uh, is. is allowed, it, 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 like, he's like, I, STEM is like, I need you to let me take control. And he's like, okay. And then he becomes this fucking killing machine. <laughs> and then he's faced, it seems that he's faced with the morality of it all. Right. Like, yeah. you killed those guys. Yeah. No, you did. You did. Kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I'm absolutely That in. looks cool. It looks super fun. Yeah. Uh, next up, What the Water's Left Behind. This is directed by the Onetti brothers, yes. Luciano and Nicholas, best known for their last film, Francesca. Mm-hmm. Francesca was being compared to Baba, yes. Argento, and all this other right, stuff. Right, right, right. This seems very odd. It does. I'm not excited about it. This is out of all the batch of trailers this week. This is the one that I was just like, I have no desire to see this whatsoever. Um, largely because it's my least favorite film format it's like found footage yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and I'm just like uh, like make a movie guys right right so yeah but but, but you're excited because the because Andy brothers are cool yeah. they're, they're like the people who did if you if you're familiar with Amer yes um, their names are French and I always fuck them up but Amer is very Baba-esque and this and Francesca seemed very Baba-esque so I'm interested in them as, as filmmakers more yeah. than anything else Moving on to what we've been watching. Have you seen anything? Well, last week, you know, I wasn't here you for the podcast. Sick. I was sicker than the proverbial dog. I, I had walking pneumonia and upper respiratory infection. The plague, <laughs> SARS, bird flu, swine, I, whatever it was, I it, it sucked. But as a result, I watched more television last week than I have in this entire <laughs> year. Um, so I'm... My biggest recommendation is something on Netflix right now called Wild Wild Country. Yeah. And it's the Duplass Brothers. And um, it's this amazing six-part documentary about uh, this commune that was going up in the early 80s in in Central Oregon. Mm -hmm. And how it went completely off the rails and it turned into the biggest wiretapping case, the biggest poisoning case. Wow. Bioterrorism. Wow. It's nuts, dude. It wow. is absolutely insane. And the late and and like the the one of the lead ca- not character because she's a real person, but one of the lead folks in it is like one of the most charismatic people that you'll ever see. Um, friend of the show, Lorelai Shannon, was like, 
this lady needs to go on a multi-state killing spree with me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's amazing. I highly, highly recommend it. It's called Wild Wild Country. Right on. Um, You're not the only person that I've run into that has recommended it's, that. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's so right engaging. Um, I've been watching... Uh, I've, I've seen the first couple episodes of Barry. Oh, cool. We talked about this. We the, uh, we, they reviewed the trailer. Yeah, Bill Hader um, is a hitman who... Decide he, he he accidentally winds up in an acting class and decides this is what he wants to do with his life, and it's great. Henry it's, Winkler is wonderful. Oh, uh, Henry Winkler's tell. great in it. It's funny. It's it's right on. it's also touching. Like uh. like for example, one of the scenes, um, there 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 was a guy he was supposed to kill in the acting class, and he he didn't get to because the Chechnyans who had hired him killed him first, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he, kind of like the character John Cusack in, in Gross Point Blank, hadn't really dealt with any emotional fallout from what he does. Yeah. And he and there's a scene where he has to. It's it's great. It's great. And right it's on. and it's half hour episode, so it's like oh, wow. easily digestible. Oh, that's it's very like, cool. Yeah. And and I I love it. It's fantastic. I've been watching The Terror on AMC. Yes. Um, which is the adaptation of a Dan Simmons n- novel. Um, I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. Um. I think if people aren't into if people weren't into the book and or into survival stories in the Arctic, probably won't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's beautiful. It's it's gorgeous. And uh, I saw a couple episodes of The Alienist. Oh yeah. Um, which is they're doing a bang up job. It, it, yeah, it looks great. Um, uh, the Caleb Carr book, The Alienist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of my favorite books of the last ten years. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, it's a great kind of Victorian CSI. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 New York City in the 1800s, like the the Statue of Liberty still being constructed, and and it's it's very cool. I I highly recommend it. Right on. Uh, let's see. We watched Despicable Me three last night. Yeah. My wife got really excited when she saw that it was on Netflix. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's. I don't think it's nearly as good as the other ones. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, you're kind of in. You're at this point. If you're if you're three in, three deep, you're you're in. Sure. So it was enjoyable. And then the other night we sat and watched the new Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Which was fine. It's it's good. It is good. It looks great. Uh, it's a little CG heavy when we could have probably. There's a lot of there. these. There's a lot of these big vista type shots mm-hmm. where you're seeing all this landscape. Oh, it opens on one of the worst CG matte shots ever of yeah, yeah, Morocco yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. like, oh, this looks like a video game, yeah. not a particularly good one. Um, everyone's great in it. I had already, I already knew the story. Sure. So well, I think almost anybody who's paying my attention wife didn't. To it. And oh my, really? Yeah, okay. and but she nailed it like three fourths of the way through. Cool. She, is yeah, she, yeah. So um, I'm excited about them doing Death on the Nile next. Yeah. Uh, I I always I'm going to default with this character always back to the PBS series. Yeah, the PBS series kind of defined this character. It was great. Yeah. Uh, reading anything? The character being Perot. Perot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am not reading anything. At the I'm still reading the Don Hamilton thing, and what I and the reason is is because uh, I'm, I'm just trying to go slow and savor it and enjoy it. Um, I'm using reading as sort of a, a a respite from everything else. Sure. Um. So that's good. Anything you're listening to? 
I got um, a ton of stuff. <laughs> I know, I do really do have a ton of stuff. Um, I have gone back and revisited um, my very... You know, listeners of the show know that my favorite band ever is Rush. Um, and my first exposure to Rush was uh, an album called Caress of Steel, yeah. um, which was the third album, and it's largely viewed, even by Rush fans, as their worst album. Mm-hmm. Um, I am 100% total disagreement. I think it's their best album huh. out of everything they've done. Wow. Um, it is an amazing album, and I recognize that some of that is because it's the first Rush that I got exposed to. Um, but I've gone back and... and been re-listening to it, and it, and it it never fails to amaze me that that album. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're into prog rock, especially that time when people were like writing 20 minute songs about um, necromancers and shit like that, this is the album for you. That's all pert though. Well, it's totally all pert. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like yeah. We well, I remember we did uh, we included a a song off of it on one of our episodes, Dick Dacks and Narpets. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the dumb thing. <laughs> One other thing I forgot to mention was we watched the Seth Rogen's Hilarity for Charity on Netflix. Uh huh. Wow. <laughs> it's horrible. The stand up sets are cool. It's yeah. like one of those and now so and so comes out and does two minutes of comedy. Right. Those are funny. Everything else are, is death. Oh. Death. They uh the guy that does Rick and Morty does a <laughs> does a cartoon that you will not believe. It's it's so offensive, but there they are—the Alzheimer's group <laughs> clapping. And, this is hilarious. <laughs> anyway, all right, uh, get a pen, guys, because I got a ton of stuff here. First up, Ben Harper and Charlie Musselwhite. Um, no mercy in this land. It's it's amazing. Um, Charlie Musselwhite is a harp player. Uh, yeah, and a great one. Um, ben Harper, musician, singer. Uh, it's great stuff. Very bluesy, but very very good. Um, group called Celestial Aeon Project. They have a record called The Cloister. It's what you'd expect. Gregorian chanting, very ethereal. Steve Roach, they re, uh, project re-release Dreamtime Return. If you're a Steve Roach fan, you know what you're get, getting. A lot of ambient, very, very cool. And Dreamtime Return is a, a solid record. They also just re-released Susumi Yakoda's Dreamer. Um, more ethereal stuff. Uh, found a band Orchesta Akokan think Xavier Cugat think Esquivel think Latin rumba jazz mm-hmm. but it's made today and okay. it's super super good go on my Facebook and I not only do I put more of a review on all this stuff but I also include sound files band called Action Figure Party very cool very kind of uh not video game music, but it's it's very close. Uh, speaking of video game music, Hatsune Miku has a record called Twin Tail Twin Guitar. This girl is a shredder. It's it's it sounds like video game music, but the guitar is something straight out of you know Ingve, Steve Vai. Mm. Very very cool. Uh, Video game soundtrack by Ryan Ike called "When Where the Water Tastes Like Wine." Yeah, that was cool. It's really good. It's very Americana. It's very sort of old Western slide guitar-y. Um Gabriel Yared did the score to a movie called Amelia. 
file this under generic soundtrack music. Um, Lionel Cohen has done the score to a movie based on Leonard Cohen's First We Take Brooklyn. Um, Who is Lionel? I think it's Leonard Cohen's son. Okay. But it's a full-blown soundtrack score kind of thing. Um, we're almost done. Kevin Ripel did uh, a soundtrack to a movie called Atropa. Um, that was pretty good. And then my pick of the week isn't a record. It's a band. Funky Knuckles. They're a, they're a <laughs> big, sort of a big band jazz fusion. All, all, not, they're not even as jazz-oriented as, like, Weather Report. They're more... They've got a rock edge to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really good. They're really, really good. Um, and then lastly, here's a bunch of comedy records that I heard, and they're all um, worth checking out. Adam Clayton Holland performs his signature bits. There's a country record, Paul Harris, Y'all Hall. Um, this is straight up Hillbilly, Larry the Cable Guy kind of comedy. Laura House, Mouth Punch. Mike Salona, Calzone Farm. And Keith Lowell Jensen's Bad Comedy for Bad People. Um, all of those out just out within the last week and um, heartily recommended. I, I, I wanted to bring up one song, and, and I... Every time I mention this guy's name, people kind of just smirk. Mm. Um, but I, I challenge people to to not to not listen and 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 head bop along. And uh, Andrew WK, okay, has a, a new album out, and he's got a song called "Ever Again," and it is exactly what you expect from Andrew WK. It is like the most positive. Fun, rocking right stuff. Andrew WK's music reminds me of like um, Christian rock without the God stuff. It's very uplifting and and uh, very melodic. I've never heard any of it. I should. Oh yeah, you should definitely check uh, out. Yeah, you should definitely check out. <laughs> you know, I'll I'll say this: a lot of people shit all over Christian rock. Mm-hmm. You know, bands like Sweet Comfort and Petra and those kind of guys. Uh, Say what you want about that stuff, but every one of those cockstuckers are <laughs> great musicians. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're exemplary musicians because they never got drug and pussy to get in their way. <laughs> right. <laughs> they they actually <laughs> practice. Yeah, all yeah, the time. yeah. So you can hear these things where you know you just sort of whether you're in touch with the message or not. I'm not, so I just kind of just you listen to the music. I listen to the music, and, yeah. and they're all performed really well. I just wanted to say that. All right. So we're good. Steve Johnson, thanks, bud, for coming on again. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, check out, check out Rubberhead 2. Yeah, there's uh, still 20-some-odd days left. They're almost... A, they're, well, actually, they're almost half yeah. uh, 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 funded. So. They'll make it. Yeah, totally. They'll make it. Uh, hey, go to Amazon. But don't be complacent. Go get your copy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, go to Amazon. The hardcover copies of String of Pearls is out. Um, I just turned in the the manuscript on No Flesh Shall Be Spared, Don't Look Back. Yes. Um, and once it's through the editing process, it'll come out. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week, uh, I'm not going to say who we have in the, in, in the off chance that <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> Uh, but we do have a guest. But we do have a guest. We have a lot of guests coming up, and some of them that we're booking are really cool. I can't say too much because 
that wouldn't be fun. Um, right. There, some of these are really cool guys that we are really excited about having on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You want to say some of them? We've been trying to get for for a, a long yeah, time since yeah. we started. So go there. Please do me a favor and let people know about the show. We want to get our numbers up and join our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at at BonusPod and. Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and you're on Facebook and all that other stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so check all that stuff out. Uh, we'll see you next week for the Bonus Material Podcast. I'm some guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Langley West. Stay scary. So what? Eat deal.